today on the King's Court, Cole Zawicker of the Stepian joins the show as we give you a lottery mock draft heading into Thursday's NBA draft. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we we kind of stumble a little bit in the beginning, Cole and I. Uh, we, we forget that we didn't even mention Luka Doncic. So what we'll do is we, we give a mock draft, quote-unquote mock draft, uh, to, throughout the show. And then at the very end, we'll kind of review back and forth of where it will be. Uh, just to let you guys know right now, there are a little bit of, uh, you know, clerical errors on my part to where I say some messed up things around 7 or 8 or whatever. So just so everybody knows... I do have Chicago taking Wendell Carter. I do have Cleveland taking Michael Porter Jr. Or, sorry, uh, taking Marvin Bagley. I think Marvin Bagley falls to eight. And then Kevin Knox and Michael Bridges. So you'll hear it in the show. Well, you'll figure it out if you're listening closely. I hope you enjoy this show. Please subscribe. Please listen. And uh, enjoy the show. Leave a rating. Scow spinning. Look at the uh, job to create space. Put it in the book and send that young man to the line. Boy, is he fun to watch. Three fifty-one. Tony Allen slapped away by Carly Stein to the floor. He dives. What an effort. Collison. The lob. Oh, beautiful basketball by the King. Richardson changing directions and getting to the basket and scoring. How about the rookie Malachi Richards? You're now listening to the King's Court on Dash Radio, presented by SackKingsNation.com. Here are your hosts, Vince Miracle and Joe Morgan. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the King's Court. I'm your host, Vince Miracle. Joining me today is Cole Zawicker of the Steepians. Cole, how are you doing? Doing well, man. It's a fun time of year. Uh, we're getting down to crunch time, so happy to have happy to be on here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you back, man. It's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks for for Kings fans, to say the least. I mean, so many rumors about what the team is going to do, and that's why I brought you on today because I think. Because this show is going to be coming. We're recording on Tuesday. This show is going to come out on Wednesday, the day before the draft. And I think that just gives everyone enough time to see what these mock drafts are going to be like. And I have a feeling you and I are going to get close to like 75% of this correct. I'm confident. I think that's going to happen. <laughs> so let's, I'm glad you are. <laughs> I'm, I know what these teams are going to do. I, I'm, I, it's a miracle. I got it. So what we're going to do is we're going to start from one and then make our way to 14 and uh, we'll give a little bit of analysis for, you know, fit with team, the player, it's uh, player themselves and uh, then move on. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right. With the first pick in the NBA draft, we have the Phoenix Suns and I have them taking DeAndre Ayton. I think that's the clear number one pick. I think it's pretty obvious that that's the way that they're going to go. Uh, so number one is Ayton. What about you? Yeah, that seems to be everything we've heard about the number one pick that we haven't heard Luka Doncic even affiliated too much with. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be DeAndre Aiden at this point. That seems like the safe bet. Is is it weird that you haven't really heard anything about, you know, Doncic possibly going number one or is I mean, talent wise, I feel like Doncic and everyone keeps saying this Phoenix needs to take the safe pick. I feel like Doncic is the safest pick in this draft. Like just that's just me personally. Do you do you think that there's any way that you just see a curveball on Thursday and Doncic could go number one to Phoenix at all? 
I was thinking about that yesterday just because we haven't heard it, and it seems like like the the best smoke screen of all time as far as not just associating anything with Luca with a number one pick. But I do think that we usually hear indications about what a team's going to do um, more solidified by this time. If if Luca was actually in the calculus at number one, I think we would have heard it by now. So I would lean definitely eight and heavily here. But yeah, I, I do think Luca's the safest pick in the draft. I think he's the best player in the draft, but it just doesn't seem to be the way that the Suns are leaning. At number two, we have our Sacramento Kings. A lot of speculation of what they're going to do here. And uh, since I said DeAndre Ayton first, I want, I'm very curious. Who do you have the Kings taking here at number two, Cole? I'm going to lean with reason here. I'm going to say they take Luka Doncic, even though he hasn't worked out for them. And apparently Marvin Bagley is the only guy who has worked out and like he wants to go number two. He wants to go to Sacramento. But I'm going to lean that last second. I think the Kings war room is going to you know, be persuaded by Luka Doncic, number two. He's the best player on the board, and they really need someone of his stature on that team after the last, you know, decade plus being in a little bit of a lull here. So just take the best prospect. I want the Kings to draft Luka Doncic. I think that is the right pick. I think he is, like I said, the safest pick in the draft. I think he has all the skill to be the best player in this draft. I think the Kings are going to select Michael Porter Jr. And it's... It's just one of those things where I don't think the team expected to go number two. I don't think the Kings even expected to be at number two. And I think they're heavily trying. I think they're like strongly trying to move out of that number two spot and move down in some way, shape, or form. I've thrown away around some trade, you know, uh, ideas where I could see them trying to make a move for- with Chicago to probably get a 2019 pick and Denzel Valentine with the number seven. Maybe if Michael Porter Jr. is available there and then they can get Luka Doncic. And maybe like Willie Cauley Stein or something like that. Just just some way to where they can move down and still get their guy. Because I think their guy is Michael Porter Jr. I think Marvin Bagley is going to be taking, uh, they're going to give strong consideration to just because, like you said, he worked out for the team. Um, but again, I, I, I see a lot of flaws with Marvin Bagley. I'm not a huge fan of Marvin Bagley's game on the next level. But uh, it's going to definitely be an interesting spot at number two because I think that's where the draft is going to truly begin because there's so many question marks on what the Kings are going to do at that number two spot. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Initially, when after the draft lottery, I thought the draft was going to begin at number three. I thought that Aiton and Doncic were going to go one, two in some order. But really, there's so much uncertainty with the Kings pick at two. I don't remember a draft quite like this. Last year, we had much more clarity that Alonzo was going to go two. And, you know, the Kings can go a bevy of different ways. Like you said, Michael Porter Jr., man, that's just a tough sell. I mean, if you if you don't trade down, that's just a lot of risk to assume with Michael Porter um, from a medical standpoint, from all the the, is he a good teammate vantage point as well that we've heard um, a lot of the rumors there seem to have a lot of credence and you know Marvin Bagley too that's too rich for my blood I would trade down if they're planning to take Michael Porter or Marvin Bagley I would definitely try to move down I, I don't think that the value is there at number two overall if you stay at two you got to take Luca um, I, I would not be a fan of them taking Bagley or Porter Jr. especially Porter with all the uncertainty at number two I just think that's too rich uh Eddie Sefko, uh, not 100%. Uh, he, he's a Mavs writer. Uh, just came out earlier today and said that he's hearing that Aiton is basically number one pick and that Bagley is a near lock at number two. That's wow. a, that's pretty interesting. I mean, again, that's a that's a Mavs writer saying that, so maybe his sources could be a little bit different than you know local writers. 
uh, out here because I mean you 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 can ask three different people in the Sacramento area that cover this king this Kings team and you can get three different answers. That's how much of a question mark is at number two and what the Kings are actually going to do with this pick. And that's why I think the draft starts right there. We move on to number three, the Atlanta Hawks. I think it's the the obvious choice, and I really like him for this team. And that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, I love that fit. I think that they're going to be allured by his long-term potential. He's not someone who's probably going to step into the league and be able to contribute right away offensively at a high level. He's not going to be as productive as a scorer as DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley, but he's the best defensive player in the class, in my opinion, by a, a considerable margin. And he's a year and a half younger than a guy like Mo Bamba. You have to factor that into the calculus. So I love his fit. Um, I, I'd take best player available. And, and for me, that is Jaron Jackson assuming that maybe Luka Doncic goes too. If Luka's on the board, I would still go Luka here pretty easily. But Jaron Jackson, great fit here. Uh, that would be a great pick. With the Hawks, I mean, they have, I believe they have four picks in the first round, and you're already hearing a lot of speculation of them trying to potentially add another top 10 pick uh, by, you know, mixing together. I believe they have like the, the 17th pick, 18th pick in this draft uh, with like a Dennis Schroeder or Kent Bazemore to move up, is there any team in this top 10 to where you can see them making a package together to where they can land themselves back inside that top 10 for a second top 10 pick? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that that's going to happen. There's been a lot of talk about you know, a lot of movement. We've seen, you know, the Memphis make their fourth pick available. Dallas is always willing to make a deal, especially if they don't feel like the, the talent is there. I think I've become enamored with, potentially the Hawks staying at three, but also moving up for a Trey Young, for example, if he falls past Orlando at six, if he gets to the eight to nine range, maybe you see Atlanta strike a deal and move back into the lottery to select Trey Young to pair with the Jaron Jackson, for example. I think that's a very real possibility. At number four, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. And if this guy's still on the board, I definitely think they're taking him. Uh, it's going to be Marvin Bagley the third and I think next to a Marcus Saul and a Mike Conley and even a Tyreek Evans if they're going to bring him off as a bench guy he is a solid fit there he can build defensively around you know basically a defensive gritty team which I think would just be I think that's the perfect spot for him to land if there was any team that would be a perfect spot for Marvin Bagley the third to develop and become a player I think it's Memphis so that's who I have the Memphis Grizzlies taking uh, Marvin Bagley the third yeah, I get the rationale there. It's the best fit for him in the top five by a wide margin, in my opinion. He can be productive right away. Memphis always wants to win because they have the infrastructure to do that now. Not win a title, of course, but to compete in the playoffs. They have the veteran personnel with Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. So Bagley fits in with them really nice. I mean, Mike Conley is the best point guard by a long shot in the top five. He gives... Marvin Bagley avenues to contribute as a play finisher and Marcus all can play that unicorn role, stretch the floor and let Bagley, you know, be the pick and roll guy and, and the finisher there. So I, I like the fit a lot. Bagley's not my fourth best prospect, but I think that that is the most defensible case for him in the top five is going to Memphis. Is, I mean, are, are you high on Marvin Bagley? Cause I feel like a lot of people are, and I'm in the minority where I say I'm, I'm, I, I ever and the only way I can because this this is a king centric podcast. The only way I can get these fans to understand how I see him is I I view him as a mix between Derek Williams and Thomas Robinson in college. Both had potential to be good, but there's just something missing from both of their games. I feel like there's something missing from his game, Marvin Bagley's, and his size worries me. Are you feeling those same things, or do you think he's going to have an impact on the NBA floor? 
Yeah, I think he's going to be a productive player. I mean, he's just he's so damn athletic. And as a play finisher, he is an excellent, incredible finisher around the rim as far as diving. I think at his peak, he's something like Amari Stoudemire. My issue with him is the fact that I don't think he's going to be utilized that way. He might be played at the four. I don't think he's skilled enough or he's a good enough shooter to really thrive in that role. He's kind of an offensive five defensive four, and that's the exact opposite of what you want as far as in the modern game. His skills don't really align perfectly on the floor as far as optimizing him. So if if he was going to be in a Phoenix Suns like 2005 iteration of Amari, that kind of role, I'd feel pretty confident that he's going to be one of the best offensive players in the class. I just have a feeling he's going to be utilized more as an Aaron Gordon Orlando role where he's more spacing the floor from the four, attacking closeouts. I don't think you're going to return top five value there because his defense is just so bad. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about him. I see him as like a more aggressive scal, maybe a more offensively polished Marquise Chris. Like that's where I see him going to be. I, I just don't. Yep. I don't see a high ceiling for him. Uh, moving on, we have the Dallas Mavericks at five. I think this is the obvious pick. I think everyone knows that this is where they're gonna go if that's how the top four ends up, and that's gonna be Mobamba. I think that's. I think that's their pick. Yeah, that seems to be the inclination of what we've heard so far as far as they want bigs. I mean, they're one of the few teams that actually really wants a big because they their roster is so imbalanced towards shorter players on the perimeter. And Bo Bombin is stealing. His ceiling outcome is very alluring for me if he hits. But there's a lot of variance there. His downside is pretty considerable, in my opinion. But the upside is pretty clear as far as his value. If he shoots a three, he's been working with Drew Hanlon. In that capacity. So if he does shoot the ball, he can play and pick and roll. Dennis Smith, he's, he has to really improve his body and his screening ability because his screening was terrible at Texas. So I don't think he's like DeAndre Jordan. Some people are enamored with him as like a dive guy. I don't see him as that, that caliber or vertical spacer. But I do think there's the upside there. If he adds to his frame, if he can add lower body girth to anchor, if he can add some pop, uh, he's going to be an effective player. But uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably where I'd lean at this juncture as well. I just think the potential there with a the one five combo of Dennis Smith Jr. and then Mo Bamba, if his screams screens become solid and he can become a, a, a strong lob catcher and also mix that together with his jump shot continuing to improve, there's just so many question marks of what they would do in those pick and roll sets that it would be so effective for Dallas. And uh, I just think that would be an interesting thing to watch uh, for their future. I think it's just the right fit. They've been looking for a center of the future for a while now. They've missed out on Jordan. They've missed out on Cousins. Maybe that's still a guy that they look at this offseason. But I think Mo Bamba is the pick at number five for the Dallas Mavericks. Moving on to number six, we have the Orlando Magic. I think it's going to be Trey Young. I think they need a face. I think they've been they've been in search for their point guard. I think at six, Trey Young's available. This is probably the highest I would take him is at six. And I think I think you'd get your money's worth out of him right there just because of what he can do on the floor as a passer and as a scorer and just as a knockdown three-point shooter. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I have him higher than this on my personal board, but I, it makes a ton of sense for the Magic at six. It doesn't really align with the history of John Hammond as, as a drafter. He prefers more physical tools, length. Uh, Trey Young obviously doesn't bring that but he does bring just a franchise-changing ability to be an on-ball playmaker, initiator of your offense who can really shoot at a high level off the dribble. They've needed a player of this ilk for you know 10 years. They, they just have not had a, a dynamic guard with the high upside that Trey Young has. If he hits, he's a Steve Nash caliber of player. That's obviously a very high-end ceiling outcome, but if you draft for upside, I, I think that 
all the tools are there offensively as far as off the dribble shooting, uh, handling ability, and then the ability to really pass the basketball. He's really, really good there. He's underrated as a passer. His vision is elite, in my opinion. He has that anticipatory passing ability. So they, they really just need a guy who can handle the ball and initiate their offense. They haven't had a guy like this, of course. They have been married to Elfin. Alfred Payton for multiple years, who is not an off-the-dribble threat, and he kind of hurts your offense. Trey Young can really unleash a lot of these guys. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't know where he's going to be. Do you? I mean, you say you have him higher. What do you think his is his ceiling? Steph Curry, and if so, what's his floor? Jimmer. Uh, his ceiling. I, I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to Steph Curry. He's just too good. I mean, Steph yeah. is a. a all-time outlier. He's the best point guard of all time, in my opinion. Um, he's, his ceiling is more Steve Nash, I think, which is obviously a great ceiling to have. Uh, he's not as dynamic as Steph is, moving off the ball, relocating. He doesn't have those off-ball instincts, but uh, I, I think it's more in alignment with Steve Nash's floor. He's way better than Jimmer, in my opinion, in every capacity of the game. Like He's a better shooter. He's quicker release. He's quicker with the ball. He's a much better dribbler. He's a better passer, creator for others by a significant margin. So his... His floor is really intriguing. Maybe it's like the hyper version of a DJ Augustine, for example, is his absolute floor. But I, I see him as just a much better player than that. Moving on to number seven, I think I'm going to have a, I think I'm definitely going to have a different pick than you here because I haven't, I've seen most mock drafts and I don't see anybody having the Bulls taking him, but I think they might consider it. And I have Wendell Carter going here at number seven. I just like the size Actually, they've been looking at for center, and I, I just feel that fit next to Mark Cannon is a. Is is just a solid pick right there for Chicago. Yeah, I'm with you 100% here. I love Wendell Carter. He's one of my favorite players in the draft as far as high IQ, offensive translation, can shoot the ball from range, the best stroke in the class of bigs, in my opinion, can put the ball on the floor, can really pass on the move, the best quick decision maker offensively in the draft. If he can defend in space, I think this is a huge value play here. And I could absolutely see them going Wendell Carter. I think that he, he fits really well in Hoiberg's offense, who prefers more of a skill guy who's high IQ. Um, and definitely can space the floor. I think he's a really awesome fit next to Markkinen long-term. Uh, maybe the perimeter defense isn't great between those two, but I think it's capable enough and they're skilled enough, so I, I love this pick. The crazy thing is is we have yet to mention Luka Doncic because we had the Kings taking Michael Porter Jr., and we move on to the number eight pick, which is Cleveland, and they're getting a steal right here. I don't. I mean, let's just be honest. This isn't gonna happen because I don't. I don't see Luka Doncic falling this far. He's not going past three, just in my opinion. But if there's a way he falls to Cleveland at eight, that'd be incredible. So as of right now, at eight, I have Luka Doncic. Yeah, he's definitely not falling this far. I, th- I thought we had him going number two. So no, <laughs> if I he falls, there's no team. chance he's falling to eight. I don't think he gets past. I think five is probably his absolute floor to Dallas. Uh, if he, if Luka Doncic falls to eight. That that's just an all-time Graham Larceny steal. I mean, again, he's the best player in the draft to me. So that would be incredible. I mean, if LeBron actually leaves Cleveland in this scenario, um, Luca can kind of. I mean, he's their next generational player. So yeah, all-time Graham Larceny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. If 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 you're you're right. If Dallas sees that Luka Doncic is on the board at five, that's who they're gonna take. Uh, I just don't see the Kings taking him at two, so that's why I'm saying saying Marvin. Uh, that's why I'm saying Michael Porter Jr. is going to be there. But at this point, he hasn't been showed up, and I I needed I needed to mention his name, or I would get scrutinized for not even saying his name within the top ten. So I definitely wanted to bring that up. So let's just if I if we had to do a redraft, if you say you have Luka Doncic going at five, because I I think I think regardless, I don't think Atlanta's taking Luka Doncic. 
I think Memphis would be in love with the idea of it. But I think he would go I still think that they would go with a Marvin Bagley or a Jaron Jackson Jr. to where Dallas is just taking Luka Doncic. That's me personally. I think Memphis knows what kind of player that they want, and it's going to be a Jaron Jackson Jr. It's going to be a, a Marvin Bagley because Marcus Gasol's starting to become on that downside, and these players have so much potential uh, to fill that position both defensively and offensively that they would select that player, and that would leave Luka Doncic there at five. If that's the case, does Mo Bamba go automatically number six to Orlando, or do you think he falls to Chicago and just falls into their lap? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that Orlando would probably talk themselves into Mobamba at six just because he aligns perfectly with the paradigm of the of their recent drafts as far as John Hammond. He really likes length guys and guys with physical tools. So I think Mobamba is definitely a candidate for number six and definitely number seven too. I think that you could talk yourself into him being the anchor of Chicago's defense, kind of covering up for Lowry a little bit there. So I would expect Mo Bamba to go, you know, five through seven range, um, depending on where what happens with the top echelon guys. I, I, I think that still Memphis probably goes Luka Doncic if he's available at number four. They, they're apparently really enamored with him. So I'd be surprised if he failed to five to Dallas, but that's probably the floor again for him. Is I, I can't see Dallas passing on Luka. So as of right now, our mock draft just went to crap. But that's okay. We're going to keep going on. <laughs> so, it, at eight, I mean, I don't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be drafting uh, are going to be drafting Luka, uh, Luka Doncic. He's not falling that far. We've made that clear. I also don't think that a lot, where a lot of people have him them drafting Michael Bridges, I don't see that happening either. I have them taking the Kentucky point guard, Shai Gilgris uh, Alexander. I think that's the pick just because of – what he does on both sides of the ball, he he's one of those players that I talk about this with Luka Doncic as well. He never seems to be in a rush, but he always wants to get somewhere, and he knows where he wants to be. And I really like his potential there. A lot of people are saying he's arguably the best point guard in this draft. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I I wouldn't say I know a lot about Gilgris Alexander, but what from the things that I have seen, I just I like the potential, and I like the fact that he would fit both next to LeBron James and also without LeBron James. And they can start building with him as the point guard of the future. Yeah, I get the allure here as far as his abilities go. He's a very smart player, very high basketball intelligence as far as passing on the move, especially. I just question a little bit how dynamic is he really with the ball? He's not a dynamic pull-up shooter. He He's not really a three-point shooter, frankly. He hasn't been in the, in the past. I mean, he had a really low attempt rate at Kentucky. So a lot of his upside is tied to how he develops there. Can he space the floor off the ball? A lot of guys see him more as a combo forward, or uh, sorry, a combo guard who can also play the wing. And he might be more of a secondary ball hand I fall more into that camp. I'm not sure how dynamic he is on the ball, but I do get the allure with him overall. If you really do think he's a point guard, he's got a lot of, you know, good plus physical traits, you know, the length, um, his creativity finishing around the basket is definitely there. So if, if you buy his equity as a primary ball handler, I can see taking him here. Would you go with Colin Sexton over him? Actually, I have Shea over called Sexton as far as on my big board. I think for both of these guys, it might be a little rich. Like, I would still take a wing. I would still take Miles Bridges, Mikhail Bridges. I think they're just a little safer as far as to value um, because wings who can shoot off movement are so valuable in the modern game. But I definitely get the allure with Shea. I would take him over, over Colin Sexton because he has more versatility. He can play off the ball and he's bigger. So I, I think he just gets – he's a little bit safer to value than Colin Sexton is. At number nine – I I have a feeling that 
they're not going to make I think they're going to take a gamble again. I think that I don't know what, what the Knicks do on draft day honestly. And if I had but if I had to choose a player, I think they're going to take Kevin Knox. I think that's the player that they've had their eyes on. I think that they like how young he is. I think that they they like the the potential that he has both offensively and the defensive promise he has if developed correctly. I think that Kevin Knox is going to be the player, especially after all the the hoopla that came out of his private workout about how positive it was and things like that. So at nine, I have Kevin Knox. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, it's a little too rich for my blood. Like I, I like Kevin Knox. I've warmed up to him at the latter half of the lottery, uh, but I, I do think there's a lot of credence to this argument as far as his age. He's really young. Um, one of the youngest players in the class can shoot off the dribble, can shoot off movement and off the catch at six nine. If you play him in a combo forward role, mostly at the four, I think he's pretty safe there as far as overall. I don't think he has the basketball intelligence to be a high level player, but I, I do think that he's going to have a lot of allure at this area of the draft. Number ten, Philly. Is it the is this another obvious pick where they go with Michael Bridges? It does seem that way. I mean, they've. They love him as a player. I mean, I think his mom works for the Philadelphia organization in some capacity, so they're really familiar with him as a as a person. So he definitely fits the the Brett Brown like no BS kind of angle. He's really low maintenance player, just a shooter who can play both sides of the floor. He's a great team defender. So that's a, I think that's a really intriguing pick. Yeah, I'm I'm, I think Michael Bridges fits perfectly there. I think Miles Bridges, even though you haven't heard a lot about his name, I think that's a that's a player that they they might consider if they want a more aggressive offensive player there. But I think Michael Bridges just the ties that he has there, being that he played every home game in college inside of that arena. He's seen his locker, or he's seen his name in a locker inside of that arena already. His mom is an HR director there, like you said. Uh, I think that is going to be the pick at ten if he is there. I think New York will consider him. At nine, I just feel like they're gonna go with upside with the fact that you know they might not have Porzingis. Let them let them develop another young guy with such high potential at such a young age, and uh, that that's 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 gonna be a, a interesting uh, position to watch. Both nine and eight, nine and ten. At eleven, we have Charlotte, and I am I am so confused with what they do here because if I'm that GM, if I'm Mitch Kupchak, I don't really necessarily feel like I need to pick here I feel like at number 11 there's still solid players to where you can attach that to a bad contract or even a solid player and try to find a way to maneuver out of a bad contract while also getting a solid piece in return um, regardless I, at 11 I have them picking Colin Sexton what yeah that's something that Sam Vecini brought up on his podcast last night if Colin Sexton is available at 11, you can just really talk yourself into Michael Jordan buying into him as far as his approach to the game being hyper competitive. I think that that has a lot of merit, honestly. Yeah. I, what are your thoughts on Colin Sexton? Are you sold on him? Because he kind of reminds me just of Darren Collison. I'm definitely not sold on him as overall. I just have a really high threshold for primary ball handlers who aren't great shooters. I think his athleticism isn't at the tier of a guy like De'Aaron Fox or Dennis Smith last year. He's just a notch down. He isn't a great playmaker for others. His vision is kind of limited to seeing the role man. I don't see a lot of, you know, high level point guard skills and he kind of scares me. As like a multi-year guy, you have to marry your offense to him. If you take him, you're basically handing the keys to him over multiple years. And I don't know if he's good enough. I think you could look back in three to four years and his teams. He's just not making teammates 
good enough as far as better with the ball and, and getting these guys open shots. So I just, again, I, I think there's a lot of risk with primary ball handlers who need the ball who aren't either outstanding athletes or great shooters. So he has some legitimate downside, but I mean, I mean, his personality is really infectious. Like he's he, his best traits are honestly his intangibles, which is kind of scary. But at the same time, like he's someone I would bet on at a certain point in this draft. Twelve and thirteen. Uh, it doesn't really matter how you, how you look at them where they go because they're both going to the same team. Uh, I do see that the Clippers. I I can see the Clippers finding a way to get out of here and moving into a top five pick if they package those two picks together with like a Tobias Harris. Um, and I do think that that if that trade was on the table, I know that there was a report earlier saying that the Kings are not interested picking at twelve and thirteen. I think if they attached it to Tobias Harris, they would strongly consider it as well. Um, so that's going to be something interesting to watch heading into the draft on Thursday. But I'm just going to name these players back to back since they're going straight to the Clippers. I have Robert Williams and Miles Bridges being the picks here. Yeah, and I love that as far as value plays. I, I both those guys are probably the highest players on my board, or at least up there. Um, the, the Clippers have an opportunity to kind of draft whatever they want. They don't have a win now mindset they're just taking the best players available at the at these selections that can help them long term and both those guys are conducive to team building miles bridges with the ability to shoot off movement really great attacking closeouts just a really easy plug and play guy um that you can build around without any kind of resistance and then of course robert williams is more of a switch big who can you know rim run he is dynamic as a lob threat catch radius guy so both of those guys are, are high level talents and they're probably the best players available so i, I love those selections yeah, I, I'm. I, I I am finding myself more and more in love with Robert Williams' potential. Like I, is there a chance where we look back in this draft in let's say five years and we say Robert Williams was the best center out of this draft? That's tough, just because he doesn't shoot the ball. He doesn't have playmaking traits outside of his passing. Like he's a really awesome short roll passer. He kind of reminds me more of a Jordan Bell type. It just like magnified with his physical tools. He's, he's longer. Um, he doesn't react quite as quickly defensively. But the thing with me is with him is he doesn't have a, like a killer motor. He does laps off the ball. Um, and I don't think he's really skilled enough to be the best center in this class, but I do get the Clint Capella kind of upside. If he is, if he's on the right team, if the Clippers, for example, if they build around him and they can really optimize him as a play finisher, they if they have the primary initiators to do that, like we see with Houston and Chris Paul and James Harden, I can see it. But I don't see the tremendous upside with Robert Williams as far as, again, if you're a high upside offensive player in the league, you're a playmaker or you're a shooter. I don't really see him being high level in either one of those components. But I do think there's a chance that we look back and we say Robert Williams is a better pro than a Marvin Bagley, a Mo Bamba. That's in his range of outcomes, but I don't see him as like the top big in the class i think somebody's gonna one of these guys is gonna hit at a higher level than him at number 14 and the final pick in our lottery mock draft is the denver nuggets and again this is another team where i don't think they're going to be picking right here i think they're going to find a way to trade out of it i think they're going to try and find a way to package it with kenneth Fareed or a trey lyles uh just something to kind of where they can either move up or get a get a more substantial piece for next season uh, but as of right now, I have them taking Zaheer Smith. And I dig that. I think that's probably one of the best players available on my board. The upside there, if you really buy into the intangibles, you know, he was an outside of the top 200 recruit. He's improved a lot at Texas Tech. 
the best functional athlete in the draft. Um, even though Denver has a lot of perimeter guys already, they have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. They need more of a 3-4 kind of combo forward type. Uh, I can talk myself into Zaire in this range. I think that if you really do buy the fact that he can improve, especially his skill level offensively, if he can become a better shooter, if he can become a, a better ball handler, I think he has one of the best upsides in this range of the draft. I think the chances of this happening is very low, but if Miles Bridges found a way to fall to Denver at 14, I think the Nuggets would be ecstatic and they'd keep their pick because I think that's the perfect fit for them. Just off the bench, someone that can move around both with my, uh, Mason Plumley being as good of a passer he is at, as, at the center position, Jokic as good of a passer he is at the center position, and being able to you know, just roam around and knock down open shots. I think he is the perfect fit there. And at the same time, he can have the ball in his hands. He's willing to be aggressive, and he's not afraid of taking those big shots. So that's why I think if – I don't think the chances are high of it. Uh, as of right now, I'm looking on NBA Draft.net, and they actually have him going to Washington at 15. I just don't see that happening. But if he's available at 14 for Denver, I think that would be a steal in the lottery. I'm 100% with you there. I think that that's his floor. Denver probably sprints up to the podium at that standpoint. I mean, like he fits their offense so well, and I think that that would be incredible value for them. All right, so that's 1 through 14. I just kind of uh, – I don't want to make this, this podcast too long. We just did a podcast on Tuesday or Monday that released on Tuesday uh, with with myself and Bryant West of Sacktown Royalty discussing all the possibilities for the Kings at number two. And because this mock draft – kind of got a little crazy uh cole i think <laughs> the the best just because we didn't mention luka Doncic, i think the best thing that we should do for these fans is just kind of go again one through 14 not giving uh, any analysis but you know you say your one i say my one and then we'll just kind of make our way down and see where we start to differ because i have mine written down and we just missed out on luka Doncic. so at number one i have Aiden. me too uh i have michael porter jr going number two I'm going to go Marvin Bagley here, just buying into the the hype, I guess. I, I have no idea, but let's let's go Marvin Bagley, too. <laughs> All right, so Bagley at two for you. And then at three, I still have Jaron Jackson Jr. going to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to go that as well. I think that seems to be where the intel is being derived from, is mostly pro Jaron Jackson sentiment. So Jaron Jackson at three for me. At four, I'm going to say they take Luka Doncic. With Memphis takes Luka Doncic. I think they're tired of the Chandler Parsons project. I think they're ready to have that someone that can play on the wing and pass and do a little bit of everything. I think you're right. He's not going past four. I think Memphis is going to take Luka Doncic. Me too. I have Luka at four as well. At five, I have Mobamba. Yes, sir. Six, Trey Young. Me too. <laughs> uh, seven, Marvin Bagley the third. And this is where I have Michael Porter, so I think we're back in concert now after this. Uh, eight, I have Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go Wendell Carter here. Sorry, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, he's Michael Porter Jr. I, mess, I messed that up. I was going to say Wendell Carter. I wrote, uh, I wrote uh, Mo Bamba twice. Wendell Carter is going to be at seven, and then uh, Marvin Bagley the third goes eight to Cleveland. Okay, I'm going to go Wendell Carter eight to Cleveland. And then at nine, I have Kevin Knox. I'm going to go, God, that's really tough. Um, yeah, let's go Kevin Knox. I think I wouldn't do this, but I think that this is where they're at at this point. Ten, I got Michael Bridges. Me too. Eleven, Colin Sexton. I'm going to go Miles Bridges here. I think that he wins out, but I, I could definitely see Colin Sexton going here. 
Uh, 12-13, regardless of how you look at it. Uh, Robert Williams, Miles Bridges. I have Colin Sexton and Robert Williams. So, again, we're back in concert at 14. And then Zahir Smith for the, the Nuggets. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I honestly don't know what the hell Denver's going to do if Miles Bridges isn't available. So, uh, let's roll with Zahir Smith. Yeah, I mean, there's other guys that are there, like Lonnie Walker's another good one. I like Troy Brown out of Oregon. I feel like I'm the only one that likes him, but I, I feel like there's potential there for him to get inside the top 15 if teams start to, you know, really eye in on some of his tape. Uh, I just think what he can do defensively would be solid. Again, but like you said, you know, they need that that they need that three type of player, like a solid three off their bench, because Wilson Chandler is just such a mixed bag and. You know, what's going to happen with, with Will Barton is going to be a huge question mark. I definitely think they're bringing him back, but for how much? Um, I, I Jerome Robinson maybe, but again, I think I think Zahir Smith is going to be the pick at 14, but they're hoping Miles Bridges is there, and that's that's the only thing I can think of with Denver. But I don't even think they're going to take that yeah. pick. Yeah, I'm with you there as far as your thought process goes. All right, Cole, thank you so much for joining me on this quick you know, mock draft podcast right before Thursday's uh, Thursday's draft. I mean, this is this is crazy. I mean, the Kings holding the number two pick for the first time in franchise history, and there's a solid chance that they're not even going to be picking there. But before I let you go, please let the fans know where they can find you online. And if there, if you have any final plot thoughts, please let us know. Sure. Um, at thestepian.com, we will have multiple big boards coming out this week. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with a prospect, if you know in the Kings' second round pick, for example, we have pro player profiles with all these guys broken down pretty in depth. I, I do the Ododen podcast with Sean Darenthal. Uh, we're going to do a recap podcast of the entire draft tonight and kind of just holistically look at all the prospects. And so keep on the look out for that. And then as well, I do, I'm not a co-host for the game theory podcast with Sam Bassini, but I'm on it pretty much once a week. We did a mock draft last night, kind of in this fashion. We did all 30 picks in the first round. So you can check that out. Follow him on Twitter at Cole Zawicker. Check out the stepian.com right now for all of your work, just to look over the draft, listen to the Ode to Odin podcast, listen to the game of theory podcast. I listen to all your stuff. Cole, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of all, all your it. content. <laughs> uh, you guys subscribe to this show, leave a rating. You guys can follow me on all social media platforms of at VM Center. Bookmark SatKingsNation.com for all of your in-depth coverage of the Sacramento Kings. Big day coming Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're excited. Let us know what you think on Twitter back and forth. Let us know if we're crazy for seeing Luka Doncic go number four and not at number two. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate from Kings fans there. But yeah, until next time, Sacramento Kings fans. Good luck.